welcome to the Shaman's Cave. My name is Renee Barbo, and look at this great whistle that I just got from Alejandro in South America. I'm going to just give you a little a spin on it. Well, I'm just learning clearly. <laughs> Hi, Sandra. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Sandra Ingerman. Welcome to the Shaman's Cave. And, um, you know, I just love how you play the wind whistle. So I know that, that you're going to get good at that. And I was, just, um, I was just up at one of my favorite trees the other day, and I was, uh, I was talking to it, chatting with it, having a conversation. And... Uh, in the conversation, I was talking about, you know, some emotional issue I was working with. And it was so amazing. There, there was no wind. And it was so amazing how this, it was a breeze I never felt in my life before. But it was the most gentle, loving caress of the wind. I mean, we've done shows on omens. And of course, your work on the wind, Renee, is, is just amazing. And the, the wind is just such a special being. I, I don't think I've ever felt that kind of love, the way, the, the, the feel of the touch on my skin. And I have so much love in my life, but this, this was something I've never experienced before. It was really special. Wow, maybe it comes from, we were talking about taking the high road and, and finding that unconditional love. And, and so maybe, you know, you get to, to get these awarenesses of it in, in unusual ways. And you have to really look for those signs sometimes or just be paying attention to them, for sure. Right. I was, I love taking my wind walks. And, and now you have, you know, because of you, I, I have a tree that I'm spending the year with. <laughs> and every time I go, I learn something new about the tree and I'm thinking like, did I not notice that you were split in half before and you're wired together or is this new? It's like, it's like, and I thought to myself, well, who would get to know a tree for a whole year and see really how, how much you don't see until you start to really look. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is actually perfect because it, it brings us into the, uh, show that we're doing today on talking about um, uh, bringing back the soul of our homes and our land. Um, because I read, um, I read such a beautiful quote um, from a book about uh, it was it was about nature and about how um, in shamanic cultures trees were consulted with before they were cut down uh, for building. And there had to be agreement, you know, um, they just weren't cut down. They, they were volunteers that volunteered themselves to be part of a building or to be part of a home. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just such another perspective of how we can bring balance into our lives when we become such deep family with nature that um, we sacrifice parts of ourselves for nature and nature sacrifices parts of ourselves for us, you know, to help to support us. So 
Um, so, you know, as we, we start to learn how to engage more in conversation with nature, we can see how they might be volunteering also, you know, to help us with some of the, the ways of life that have just gone so out of harmony um, in the world that we're living in right now. And when I wrote, when I wrote my first book, So Retrieval, um, I did just a tremendous amount of research. I'm, I'm not a researcher. I'm more of a right brain intuitor. Um, I love shamanism because of the principle of direct revelation. So I've written my books out of the principle of direct revelation of what I've learned from the spirits. But when I wrote Soul Retrieval, which was my first book, I, I researched everything I could on Soul Retrieval around the world. And one of the things that I noticed in my research was I was starting to uh, read stories about bringing back the soul of crops. And I thought about that for a moment. And then I realized that everything has soul. Our homes have soul, our land has soul, everything that's alive has soul. And if you can bring back the soul of crops, if that was something that was important to shamanic cultures to make sure the land was filled with soul and the food was filled with soul, I started to think about how, because in shamanism, we're always evolving to what issues are we dealing with in a modern day culture. And I started to reflect on our homes and the land that uh, we, we live on and how um, buildings today are made, how fast can they go up? We all live in places where there's a vacant piece of land and all of a sudden the house is up in two days um, or an office building is up in two days. And so it's how fast can we build and how cheap can we build with materials, you know, and how much can we get away with. And as we're becoming more conscious beings through uh, the shamanic healing that we get or the shamanic practices that we engage in, um, are our homes, the, our apartments that we live in and are, are our homes that we live in actually reflecting back to us our own soulfulness? Um, and what effect does that have on us when we're living in places where there was an honor and respect to how um, how the building was built. Absolutely, and you know, I go. I don't know, maybe because I don't trust myself enough or whatever, but I tend to like go to the research, and I get the direct revelation. But then I try to prove it right or prove it wrong or something. And last night when I was taking a wind walk when I said, okay, this is the topic, what are we going to, you know, what am I going to contribute? It was like, oh, you ladies are unearthing a can of worms. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? It was like, well, the, you have to, it becomes down to what our relationship is with everything in the world. And so, of course, then I went this morning and started to look about, well, what are we building with? You know, what are these materials? What are we building for our buildings? And, um, of course, it, it came to the same thing. is like 
that now we're building with all of these inferior materials because we're we're trying to be sustainable and efficient, but they're off-gassing and they're, you know, and when we, we've become so efficient, there's no air, there's no wind moving through the buildings. And so we're poisoning ourselves from the inside since we spend 90% of our time on the inside. Right. And so it's, this is like a, one of those life affirming topics again, everything I go, cause this would be like a, a simple topic and it never is. <laughs> it never is. No, they're, they're really big topics because when we look at, um, you know, I, I always say to people, I'm not trying to over romanticize shamanic cultures because they definitely had their own problems. The bottom line is human beings have egos and personalities. And whenever you have an ego and a personality, you're going to have challenges, you're going to have division, you're going to have separation. And so I'm not trying to over romanticize shamanic cultures, but um, because of the lack of technology, there had to be more consciousness and awareness about how they ate and how they um, how, how they uh, uh, related to nature um, because they couldn't just hide from nature. They lived with in nature. We can hide from it. We can hide from the elements, and uh, we can hide from uh, bears. Um, we have bears where I live, and if I see a bear, I can go into my house. You know, um, and we have different things where shamanic cultures had to find ways to live in harmony with everything in their environment. And in our world, we can separate ourselves too easily. And so we've ended up in such a, um, a disconnected place and a disharmonious place but yet we keep flocking to learn more spiritual practices that wake us up. And so here we are every morning waking up in a house that's outgassing or working in an office that's outgassing or in, in an apartment or in a home uh, where the materials weren't honored and weren't respected. And so are they reflecting back our vitality, our life? And so, you know, we can't go back and, and, you know, I think in a future time when people wake up more, things will start to loop back around again to understanding how to work in harmony. But what do we do now? We're, we're here now and we're living in houses um, where the vitality isn't that strong in the materials that came in because there was no praying, there was no ceremony, there was no ritual, there was no honor and respect to how things were made. And I know that uh, for many people, um, a lot of people feel ill uh, in their offices, not their homes or apartments, but in their offices. I, I, um, when I lived in San Francisco, and when I first moved there, I, I would work these temporary jobs. And I worked at a Bank of America um, downtown San Francisco. And I worked in an office where the vice president of the bank would shut off the oxygen every day because 
it would make his feet cold. And so every day at three o'clock in the afternoon, I would pass out on the desk. <laughs> the staff would have to take me outside and walk me around the block. And finally, I had to quit the job. It was like I was <laughs> And, you know, this happens to people in offices. And so one of the, my passions, and this is the topic today, is, is not just to talk about what's wrong in the homes and, and the apartments and the offices that we live in, but there, there is ceremonial work that we have been teaching, um, and I've been uh, teaching for 30 years since I wrote Soul Retrieval of how to bring back the soul of our land, our offices, and our homes um, so that it reflects back our vitality and we feel healthy where we live and where we work. You, a couple of things that I was hearing. So when she talked about something being built in two days or you know that we've just become disassociated, uh, with a, a paper that I'm giving at an addiction conference in a couple of weeks, one thing that I've been looking at is this disassociation has been, you know, again, it's a sh short 10,000 years is a pretty short period of time in our evolution, but this disassociation began when we moved out from outside to inside. And so, you know, the, this, we, then we, we thought we could control nature by opening our windows, closing our windows, opening the doors. And so what happened is, over, you know, this, this has become more and more ingrained in our, in our genetic makeup here that we think we have something, but they, they are now definitely studies of proving that that lack of oxygen you were experiencing with your direct revelation is really affecting the, the happiness and well-being of people. And in New York, I was just thinking about my publisher's office. They moved from a building and now they moved up to higher so that, that, the, that they can see the sky. You know, like that it's open to the sky. I mean, and these are the techniques we're playing with in order to try to, I don't know if we're trying to manipulate or, you know. And the other thing I was thinking about is after our conversation about the high road is about everything is our projection out, is our projection in. So what are we projecting out with these, you know, recyclable materials that are causing harm to ourselves? I mean, we must have an absolute part of that as well and so and i'm not sure where to take that with but yeah. i suppose the work that we're going to do today or, or the talk is going to help with that right absolutely and you know um <clears throat> with the medicine work that medicine for the earth work that i teach um shamanism doesn't have uh, the ability to change everything that's happening right now. I, I was actually having uh, lunch with a few friends who are really have been studying shamanism as long as I have. And one of my friends was saying, why can't shamanism do everything? And I was saying, well, because we live in a, a technological culture and we're practicing shamanism from our minds. When you really look at it, that's what's happening right now. Shamanism is being practiced from our minds. We're bringing our thinking mind to everything. Shamanism is a practice of the heart. 
And so all the things that are happening on the planet right now are forcing us to become more heart-centered because of the heartbreak um, that we're experiencing. And so in a lot of ways, what's happening is although it's heartbreaking, it's perfect. It had to happen. We closed ourselves off and we've just become mental beings. We're disassociated from our bodies. We're disassociated from our hearts. Uh, we feel pain, um, we feel empathy, but are we moving through the world from our hearts or where are we just thinking in our minds? And so I think that shamanism has its limits of what it can do in a technological culture. I think when, tech, when we don't have a technological culture and when we're forced to go back into nature for survival, that's when the true magic of shamanism is going to be brought back into the world again. But there are things that we can do in the meantime as we become more conscious beings, which the practice of shamanism can take us into, and in the medicine for the earth work that I teach, um, um, it's all about one of the basic principles of the work is our perception creates our reality. And so if you believe that um, you're living in a toxic home and a toxic office, uh, you are, you know, that is part of what's happening because if you look at some of the mystics who used to be able to drink poison and it was just became light in their body, that means it, it, one of my teachings in medicine for the earth is if one person on the planet can do it, it means we all can. It means we all can. It's not, oh, that person could transmute poison. We all can. And so, um, it's not about feeling hopeless. It's about getting our hearts involved, getting our minds out of the way and starting to learn how to open our perception to the beauty of what is. And um, I know we're going a little bit off topic here, but <laughs> I wanted to share this because one of the very first experiments that we did with the medicine for the earth work was seeing if we could change the nature of gasoline put into water. And um, there were only four of us, my husband, me, and uh, three other friends who were at my house doing this experiment with gasoline. And my husband and another friend, they had the door open and they were trying to get air. We, we put too much gasoline in the room. <laughs> my living room was so filled with fumes. But I had gotten into, I really transfigured into a divine state where I could see the divine nature of gasoline. And I was taking the gasoline and rubbing it all over my body because I was in love with it. I mean, I was just in love with it because when you move into a place of spirit, you see the divine in everything. And when you can see the divine in everything, and we've done so many experiments with this, when we perceive the divinity in water that we put ammonium hydroxide into and took the pH up to 12, which would kill any being that drank it. And when we had groups of people come in 
uh, to workshops and we just saw the divine nature of the water, the pH went from 12 to 9 in 20 minutes, which is scientifically impossible. And what all we did was we experienced our divinity and saw the divinity in the water. And we've been conducting these experiments for 20 years all over the world using different substances. Um, uh, We bought a GDV camera, um, Sylvia Edwards, who is a brilliant shamanic teacher. uh, She's run the GDV camera. for us, you could look on my website, sandraingerman.com, and look under GDV results and see how the energy field of GMO foods that we put in the middle of our altar would the energy would change so dramatically when we moved into a divine state and when we saw the divinity in everything and so we can transmute pretty much anything if we get out of our heads and we get into our spirit self and we work from a place of heart we can transmute anything and it's having the belief in ourself it's getting out of our ego and personality it's stopping saying the words it's impossible and it's doing the work Absolutely. And boy, I love, I love learning all of these things about you. I don't know if people don't realize, but Sandra and I never really knew each other until we started having these conversations. And we've gotten, we've gotten to be fast friends over our, our topics. And, you know, I never studied that, but I used to always proclaim that, well, these are the foods that we're working with. These are the foods that we're eating. So if I cook them with love and transmute them through the process of the love that I bring to it, then how could it be bad? So I always tell people, if you're going to eat a big fat bowl of ice cream, make sure you do that every single bite. You're loving it. You're eating it. You're enjoying it. And how could that be bad? And that it's pure light, and that it's pure light. You know, I I don't know if I we talked about this before in another show, but you know when I we did um, I did the cardiac study. I, I know I've talked about that a cardiac study at the University of Michigan to see how the medicine for the earth work would affect um, people who had a heart attack uh, and and had depression after the heart attack. Depression is common after a heart attack. And we had three uh, groups. It was a randomized study. And uh, one group worked with cardiologists. One group worked with um, yoga, stress management, changing your diet, exercise, meditation. And one group worked with me. And I said, if you eat French fries, um, be grateful. See, see every French fry as a being of light. You're only taking in light. And so, you know, we did these tests over months and the stress levels of my group have gone down in ways that um, the bottom line of the research study was anybody who takes a medicine for the earth training who'd had a heart attack with dep- and has depression will benefit from taking this by doing this work. And it was all about taking the stress out because 
if you think you're eating poison and if you think you're living in a poisonous house and if you think you're living on poisonous land, you are because our perception creates our reality. And so when I talk about, you know, looping back to the, the topic of how do we bring back the soul of our homes and the soul of our lands, um, it's not about uh, tearing down your house. It's not about moving out of your apartment. It's not about moving out of your, your office building. I give people um, really simple practices to do. Like um, I had a friend who was working in an office where she felt it had no soul and she felt that she was a brilliant therapist and she felt it was really impacting her work. And so I journeyed for her and what my spirits told her was to put lovely paintings in the office that reminded her of the soulfulness of the office. And it completely changed her reality. And she was a shamanic practitioner and she felt it. She really felt it. And I tell people who work in offices, you know, don't go in with your drums and rattles and sage and freak everybody out and get fired or, or, or start to be seen as, um, as some outlier um, that doesn't belong here. Bring in flowers every day. And with your intention, just with your intention, call back the soul of your office. Um, put some pretty pictures um, at your desk and, and some flowers and just through intention, call back the soul of your office. Walk around your house and, and look at inspirited objects that you can add that have soul. Thank your apartment. Thank your home. Um, thank all the materials that it was made out of. Maybe they weren't, um, maybe your home and, and your office or your apartment wasn't built by honoring the materials, but it's not too late to honor the materials now. It's the same as when we talked about sacred tools of how do we honor our drums and rattles where the materials were, that they're made with were not killed in honorable ways. Um, it's never too late to go back and honor the materials. And it's unbelievable just by putting some fresh flowers and putting some nice pictures and calling back the soul of your office or your home and, um, and, and doing it through intention and honoring every single life form that went into this building. Um, it's amazing that, that, I mean, I have thousands of case studies of the changes that people experience. Wow, that's so awesome. And I was thinking that, I was thinking again, you know, we prepare a couple of days thinking about these. And last night I was at the store and there was a new tablecloth for sale. And for some reason I was being cheap. I mean, it was like under $20. <laughs> and I got home last night and I was thinking, we're going to do a show tomorrow on honoring the sacredness of your own house. And you wouldn't even buy yourself a new tablecloth for the table that's present in the room all the time, 24 seven, where your podcasting studio is. And so sure enough, right after the show, I'm going to go get myself this new tablecloth, which has lemons and yellows. And, you know, so like what, 
how do you treat your house? You know, how do you bring that, that glory into it all the time? I, I think that's so important. Yeah, and, and it's important, you know, because I can hear people saying, well, you know, buying more things is, is not what I want to be huh. doing. Um, we're already dealing too much with the material world. And it's not about how much money uh, you spend. It's, it's uh, bringing in things to your home that have meaning to you. And whether it's a rock from outside or, or picking fresh flowers with the permission of the flowers or, um, or uh, one of the things I love to do at my workshops is giveaways of where people share different things that they're ready to let go of. And, you know, there are thrift stores and all of this that people actually donate amazing um, things. But we always have the ability to, to, to blow spirit into everything that lives in our homes. And I, um, you know, I take empathy to, to a level that is not always healthy. And, you know, I, um, I have things in my home that nobody else would want, nobody. <laughs> and so I adopt it because to me, it's a living being and nobody wants it. I, I brought it to every workshop and nobody ever paid <laughs> And so I, I give these things a home and I own them and, um, and they brighten up my home because of it. You know, it's it's all about honor and respect. And if we show honor and respect to our homes and to the offices that that we work in and we bring in some flowers uh, occasionally or just draw, do a painting and put it up in your house. I paint like a five-year-old. I, I literally paint like a five-year-old. You wouldn't believe what some of my stuff looks like. But those are the, all the paintings in our home is, is my artwork. And so that brings soul in right there because you're, you're bringing your creativity, your love, what you love into where you live and into where you work. And when I bring my paintings to get uh, framed, um, the person at the frame shop always says the same thing to me. Did your kid do this? <laughs> this and I don't have children I, I, I go well my inner child did this <laughs> and they always laugh at me but, but this is how we bring soul back into our homes we honor and respect the materials that our home was made out of no matter what it was made out of we honor and respect it because if you see the divine nature in everything, if you see the divine nature in everything, then it has, it brings spirit into your life. It's a reflection of, of your divine nature. It becomes a reflection of your divine nature. So it's actually not as complex. And in the book of ceremony, I, I wrote some different ceremonies of, um, a family moving into a home that, ooh, it really, the energy was, ooh. And so friends and family came in and helped to paint it 
but they did it in a spiritual way. They did it all, uh, every brush stroke was love, painting love, painting honor, painting respect, and painting soulfulness, and calling in the spirits as they did this. And, and so they transformed their house into a house of incredible beauty and an incredible love without um, having to do a lot of work. And so what are some simple things that you can do? Is there, do you craft at all? Um, you can go out and sculpt something out of a stick outside or um, make a craft or, or um, bring something in that feels like it has spirit. And through intention, just call back, tell your home, your, your, your apartment, your office, how much you love it and that you see its divine nature and you honor it. And you will notice a difference in how you feel and how your health changes because you've transmuted the energy you've transmuted the energy and that's what we're talking about absolutely and when i used to paint like palm fronds and sticks and bring them in and then i had an art teacher teach me a few rules and so most of the paintings in my my house are are mine too because I had given out in the cooking, I did cooking for other people. I did healing for other people. And when I finally got to the painting, it was soul work. I brought the soul of myself onto these canvases with these colors. And, and it was like, no, this isn't for anyone else. This is just for my walls, for my home. And another thing that I noticed um, last night was that I had been doing these long three and four mile walks outside of my development. I live in a gated community. And the, 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 the ground where I live said, hey, you're neglecting, you're neglecting me. You know, you haven't walked our path. You haven't come down here. And, and so last night I, I purposely walked the rest of the grid around my house because it holds my home. So your house isn't a freestanding. It's connected to a larger grid of all of the, the, the neighborhood and the community in which you live in. And and so I really come to know like who else is living around me a little bit. You know, I don't get into their business or anything, but I, I, it's good to know what energy spaces they're holding and that because we're, we're not separate. We're all holding the space over here together. So that's kind of one of the things that I look at. And always, you know, one of the, the ways that I honor the soul of my home is I love to entertain. Mm. And, and I cook and I, and I bring people in to celebrate that with me. And, and so almost all of the big occasions in my life have been around food. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what you're saying is, um, Renee, is, is that when you bring spirit into everything that you do, um, that's a transformative um, that transforms everything. It really does. It transforms everything and and talking about land um we we were saying that we would also talk about land on the show and sometimes you go into a piece of land and um uh you can just feel a lack of vitality and um and you notice that there aren't birds or animals mm -hmm. or there aren't a lot of plants growing 
And some people get real confused and, you know, they study with me or, or they read my books and if a fire happens, you know, they start going, Sandra, I need a, I need a, um, I need a ceremony to retrieve the soul of the land. A, a devastating fire just came through and the land is fine. Fire <laughs> is a regenerative force. Fire is actually how the earth takes care of herself. We need soul retrieval because <laughs> we got traumatized by the fire. So just because a catastrophe happened, uh, you know, a weather catastrophe happened on the land or an elemental catastrophe happened on a land doesn't mean a land, um, that land needed a soul retrieval, but it's when you walk onto a piece of land and there's no life there. And so I have a lot of students who move into places or, or live in places where they say they're de it's devoid of life, it's devoid of energy. And so then again, I have them go out and again, I, I gave examples of this in the book, A Ceremony of, of just having some people come. If you bring community in, uh, what happens, the land doesn't need that for the soul retrieval, but you just change the consciousness of everybody who showed up. Because I teach people how to do soul retrievals for a city, how to do soul retrievals for the land. And when you bring community members in, uh, to retrieve the soul of a city or retrieve the soul of land, it wakes them up to the fact that everything has soul and that we need to start, start honoring uh, places where we live. So the healing becomes exponential, but it's easy to bring back the soul of land um, by getting out some drums and rattles and just calling it back, calling, telling the land how much you love it and how much you honor it and, and asking it, may I step into your field of energy? And would you tell me something about yourself? And I love you and I honor you and I don't know what happened here, but I call back the soul of the land and you can build little, carns of of um of rocks or or create a little um mandala or or something to you know be the landing pad of of the soul of the land and it's amazing how my students talk about how the birds um and the animals come back so quickly and all of a sudden how new plant life uh grows back and so I think that the bottom line of some of what we're sharing here is that you can bring back the soul of anything through intention um, because intention creates action. And it's a beautiful way to work when we, uh, when we open up from just what we're seeing from our uh, uh, ordinary eyes to uh, what we're seeing with our invisible eyes and what we're seeing with our heart and speaking to um, our apartments, our, our homes and our land with love, um, everything changes from there. Everything can be transformed from there. And I love the example of cooking because that, that's a way of um, feeding the soul of everything that's alive is, is through what we feed everything. 
you know and ourselves with that um since we don't have time for a journey this time you know we have lots of jump drumming journeys and stuff you can go back to but one thing i noticed was when i asked people to actually share about an experience of doing this on the uh, the shaman's cape wall we got a real lot of responses so how about if this week you go out and you do a journey to bring back the soul of something in your home or your yard or a piece of land that you know and then let's share about those experiences on the wall and see see how we see if there's a first of all you love to do research so if there's a connection between what we find or if we just have some aha moments for ourselves what do you think about that Sandra? I think that's perfect and don't forget the places where you work you'll notice a change in your health and how you feel trust me you will and so we want to hear about that too how you notice the difference of how you feel and um and the energy of the home and and your land so that's perfect renee thank you and i'm going to start by going to get that new tablecloth with lemons and yellows all over it because it's my work. It's all of, you know, it's like the one table that does everything in my home. Yeah. That's great. Well, <laughs> thank you everybody. This is, um, I hope that this has been enlightening and inspiring for you because our conversations are about trying to inspire you to step more into your spirit self. Absolutely. Thank you, Sandra. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget, if you want to get the Shaman's Cave in your inbox, go over to shamanstv.com and sign up and visit us over at the Shaman's Cave where there's a great community forming. Blessings, everyone. Mm -hmm.